There's also a um, what could become a pretty intense game of Balderdash going on in the other room. Mm, so. no, fair enough. It will be long periods of silence followed by extreme Stream. outbursts. Well, um, I made my I made my roommate go to bed at at eight thirty. That's 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 where we're at. Nice job. We we talked a long time about where I could record and she could be, and she was just like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna go to bed." So um, <laughs> that's where we're at. Um, so uh, she won't be loud. Uh, she'll be annoyed by us. It'll be fun. So standard operating. St- standard. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh, It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fired. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch unbeatable goodness. Welcome Pacers fans. You're listening to the Unbeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. Today is July 5th. 2022 and this is episode 598 coming to you from the home of Catherine lee bates author of america the beautiful falmouth massachusetts i'm the doctor jason triplett wow that's right <laughs> this show we're going to discuss massive changes to the pacers roster and other big trades and free agent signings around the nba joining me to do all of this are two of our analysts coast to coast like buttered toast first from Asheville, north carolina He's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles. It's John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, Undebeatables? Um, you know, there was a sense that we needed to do some shows uh, based on trades and based on, you know, the draft and, and everything that's going on. Um, and I kept saying, gotta wait until we see what happens with TJ Warren. There's no reason to <laughs> yeah, record right. a pod mm-hmm. until I know what's going on with tj effing warren so the my boys waited and here we are here we are or as the editor at uh cbs sports might like you to think o'shea Brissett, based on the picture associated with the article nice <laughs> and also joining us from boise idaho out west it's our enforcer john harper what is going on fellas uh, shout out to friend of the show greg clark had a birthday last week Shout yeah, out. Shout out. Happy buzz, birthday. Buzz, fool suckers. Fool buzz, suckers. Buzz. Uh, and I would like to shout out Aunt Beth, who uh, I, I traveled all the way. We're on family vacation out here and uh, put the wrong charger in my bag. Uh, and it was a near uh, cataclysmic situation, but then Beth had a charger. So we're good to go. Shout now out Now you get Aunt to hear Beth. my nonsense. Yeah. Uh, before we start the show, just want to remind you folks that this show is brought to you by you. You can head over to patreon.com slash undebeatables to support the longest running Pacers podcast for as little as a dollar a month. And there are higher tiers as well, 5 and $10, which come with little bonus gifts like uh, koozies or 
access to our Slack channels. Or, or new t-shirts that are going to happen new soon. New t-shirts, potentially, that we keep um, teasing. Also, Aunt Beth doesn't work for free. That's right. Know? That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got to grease the wheel somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, uh, Pacer Nation uh, was uh, rudely awakened, I guess, with a trade uh, a few days ago involving one Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and we are just now getting around to uh, or coordinating our schedule so that we can talk about it. So let me um, uh, set the table by setting up the trade, um, and we can talk about that, and then we can talk about the other uh, Pacers uh, free agent moves uh, over the last couple days. Uh, okay, so the 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 crux of the trade is the Pacers gave up Malcolm Brogdon, and I think that's the only asset the Pacers gave up, for a slew of Celtics players and a 2023 first round draft pick those players from the celtics are daniel tice aaron neesmith nick stauskas malik fitz and juan morgan uh so yeah those guys i've heard of some uh, of those I guess guys <laughs> heard of Thice mo- is like the only guy that guys? plays regular nba minutes uh neesmith is maybe an exciting prospect he was a early first round draft pick uh, by the Celtics two in 2020. So two, three years ago now, two years ago. Um, all right, Colson, I know this, this shook you to your core. You're a huge Brogdon supporter. You had seen the future of Brogdon as a premier two guard alongside Halliburton. How are you feeling right now? Uh, that's unfair. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I appreciate um, your pushback. I have been saying that, uh, basically, the moment we drafted Halliburton, um, that I was concerned, or not drafted, the moment we traded for Halliburton, I was concerned um, about the fit with Malcolm Brogdon. Um, we got, what, five or six games, maybe even ten of them playing together, and their paces are just different. It just doesn't quite seem to make sense. Um, Malcolm Brogdon wants to be a point guard. Um, we're turning this entire team over to Halliburton as our starting point guard of the future. Um, and I think I've said, I just need to trade this player. I don't care what we have to do. In fact, I was willing to give away assets, including draft picks, to move uh, Malcolm Brogdon's $20 million, $22 million a year um, contract. The fact that we did this trade, um, and it's not it's not a huge haul, I must say. Um, we traded with Boston. We got uh, uh, you know Daniel uh, Tice, which you mentioned. He's a big man. Uh, last year he put up eight points, five rebounds, sixty percent from the floor in twenty minutes. Um, he's on the books for another two years at nine million dollars a year. He's a rotation player. Um, yeah, this this Aaron Neesmith player, uh, he's 22 years old. He's six five. There's a chance he could become a a two guard in this league, maybe a, a small three. Um, and then Stauskas is a, an expiring deal, and I've never heard of Fitz or Morgan. Um, these guys are getting in there to 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 match the the numbers. Um, but we also got a first round draft pick out of this, and. And I got to say, like, I think 
I think the internet is saying that we got fleeced. But I honestly was willing to do anything to get rid of Malcolm Brogdon. And this feels like we got a rotation player, a guy with the potential upside, and a first-round draft pick, and an expiring contract. We got cap space. Like, this feels like a pretty good deal to me. How do you guys feel? Harper, how do you feel about this? I mean, I'm fine with it. If you're on the Boston Celtics bench, like, you could be a rotation player for us. Like, the combination of Danny Ainge <laughs> and Brad Stevens, like, picking off, like, their throw-offs is better than most teams. I mean, that draft pick is going to be 30 or 31 most likely because that's how complete <laughs> this team is. Uh, and they just, they got better. Uh, but, you know, whatever. I we got a couple maybes. We got a draft pick. We moved the salary for, for a guy who just unfortunately didn't fit, right? I mean, I think it's a good trade for both teams. Uh, I, I'm certainly not mad about it. I, I do think that the depth, yeah, we just, God, we love centers so much. You just can't have too many centers. <laughs> You're not sure about uh, Jamal Tice? You're not I, sure that he I mean, fits. I like Tice. He's a rotation guy, right? But, I mean, I, I feel like we're in the same situation that we always are, which is where do we find minutes for all our bigs? Miles Turner, uh, Isaiah Jackson, Goga. Yeah, so the Jaylen question Smith. the question mark is, is there going to be another, another move amongst our bigs? That remains to be seen, I suppose. But, yeah, no, I'm fine with the trade. And, I, you know, awesome for Malcolm Brogdon to land in such a successful franchise. Good for him. Sure, yeah. And to throw another big in there, the Pacers re-signed Jalen Smith. Yes, uh, yes! For two years, $9.6 million. Woo, woo! <laughs> okay, hold uh, those no, thoughts, okay. and we'll get to that in a second. No, uh, stop it! This is amazing! Okay, I'll, Yeah, I'll hold on. It. Can I get my it. thoughts on the Brian no, trade first? I'll hold, I'll hold it. I'll hold it. All right. All right, cool. So first, <laughs> I I agree with you guys. I, I mean, the, you know, lots of places, you know, people that are grading these trades are giving the the Celtics an A plus and the Pacers a C minus, but <clears throat> I was not too upset with, you know, like I, I think my, my feelings re Brogdon were made very clear last year. So I was willing to trade him for a bag of chips and we ended up getting, you know, a tuna fish sandwich and a bag of chips and a small Coke. And, a pickle. and I'm like, all right, cool. This is and great. A, and, a lunch. <clears throat> and a future uh, candy to be named later or whatever. You know, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I'm cool with it. And then to give you an idea of, you know, I'm here in Boston or, you know, near Boston, I guess. And uh, so I talked to my uh, brother-in-law, Doug, and nephew, Sam. And uh, Doug was like, why do we need more guards? And I don't understand this. And uh, Sam, (laughs) I think, presciently said, well, yeah, if he doesn't get injured and he plays really well, then this was a good trade. for the Celtics and I was like yeah that's that's a good point yeah. buddy <laughs> yeah excellent point so I've got a I've got a friend out here in Asheville who's a um, a Boston fan and um, he was very excited um, he was like look this guy you know he's super efficient um, and he you know doesn't make mistakes and he's a great perimeter offender and uh, this okay, is the missing piece well, no, this yeah. is what he told me. And I said, okay, by the way, I just watched him get blown by for three years by anybody on the perimeter. 
he's a decent defender in the post or on bigger, broader guys because he's kind of he's he's you know he's well built and he he's a solid. He understands where to be, but he gets blown by by quicker guys. And if he's your seventh man, like he was with um, Milwaukee, he could be useful. But don't look at him like he's the savior. And I think that that when people look at the numbers, which he's almost a, you know, uh, a 50, 40, uh, 90 guy, you know, um, they think that they have like the best thing since sliced bread. I think we as Pacer fans know that that's not quite the case. So I want to temper Boston fans, you know, hopes here a little bit. He's a good player. I like him. Yeah, well, I think what he does for them and what people are very excited about is he's another playmaker. We saw in the playoffs that they struggled when uh, Tatum and Brown were off of the floor. They couldn't, I mean, their offense would go into the toilet even with them on the floor. And so this is another guy that can create his own shot. And get and to the basket. As, He's an yeah, efficient shooter. Sure, he can find an open guy or whatever every now and then. Like, I think he does help them out yeah. a fair amount. My, the biggest concern with Brogdon, as it has always been with me, is he's never on the floor. Never healthy, like, right. Yeah, he plays he's 60-ish gonna, games No, he's going to play 50. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what and, he is averaging on his career at this point. And you better hope that he's healthy in the playoffs, and there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Right? If, if if his injury happens early in the season and he's healthy for the playoffs, um, and there's a guy you know that can handle the ball, get to the basket, um, and you're not totally depending on him to, to be an elite defender, because he won't be, um, despite his resume... But he can hit free throws down the stretch. I mean, there are things that could happen in a playoff series where he's useful. I always liked Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, he's a winning player, but he was not good for our team. He just wasn't. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to look back on this cup of coffee with him and not be that fond of it. Honestly, he. We gave him an opportunity to be the leader of this team. He didn't do it. We gave him the opportunity to be the defender of this team. He didn't do it. Um, I'm. I'm happy that we got what we got for this guy. So, sorry. I mean, for the Celtics, though, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's a bench player for them, right? Yeah. So, oh, he no, doesn't have like to guard an, the quick guys. He's an eighth man. Yeah, he's, he's, an eighth he's man. a much, much better fit there. And they're not going to have to play him 30 minutes a night during the regular season. So, there's good to think that he will be in a position to be healthy for the playoffs. I think they can get more games and okay. less minutes, okay. right? Because you don't have to play him 40 minutes a night like the Pacers. Absolutely, right? And he's going to be guarding less Fair talented enough. guys um, right. in a half-court you know, defense because they are great at ball stopping out there. Um, you know, I just, again, I think it's a really good fit for them. And, you know, it makes this team that I just, you know, a little more top-heavy. There's a little more talent at the top by, you know, moving out some of the guys at the bottom, bottom seven of that roster, so... Ultimate yeah, but they team. also picked up uh, Gallinari. Like they, they, oh, yeah. they really They've did a nice well. job this. They've done yeah, well this off season. and and I don't think they lost anybody that was important to them. I mean, Daniel Tice played some minutes for them in the playoffs, but that's it, right? Not much though. Yeah, yeah. and and Naismith couldn't even see the floor. Like, I mean, this is this is a great trade for them if 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 Brogdon can stay healthy and can you know, relieve the rest of those guys like a Marcus Smart or a Brown for, you know, even 10 minutes a night. Um, it's great for them. I see why they're getting an A+, but 
I don't think that when you look at if if you haven't been a Pacer fan and you haven't watched the games that we've watched, I think people are looking at the numbers and being like, "This guy's elite." He's just right. not. I mean, he's just not. The Celtics know that. Look, they're right. fans. Okay, yeah. but not all but the fans don't. Like, the fans, yeah. Don't. Well, in Vegas, apparently, doesn't either. Like, I think I read some article that now, I don't know if now still, but right after the trade, Boston jumped to the odds-on favorite to win the the title or whatever next year. I don't think that Malcolm Brogdon's that guy that right. makes you the odds-on favorite. Like in an Eastern Conference that has a Milwaukee Bucks team that's going to be regenerated yeah watch out for the hawks too Yeesh. yep that's way too much on malcolm brogdon jalen smith yeah colson yeah i, I uh cock blocked you there <laughs> get, get your jalen smith on what are you okay so how are you I, feeling I, about this well no i mean so we spent i mean i think three or four pods talking about how jalen smith was this uh revelation he played so well for us he was averaging I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to throw numbers out there, but like a 13 and seven, um, super athletic. He could shoot threes. He seemed like he's like, he's like 22. We got picked him up for nothing. And I felt like he was the kind of player you want to build around, especially with a, you know, uh, a Halliburton, a guy who can rim run, a guy who can play defense on the perimeter and also down low. And I was really excited about this guy. And then there was all this weird cat bullshit that made it seem like we couldn't hold on to him. So we were only able to offer him um, a uh, an extension, but everybody else could offer him an unrestricted number. And um, and so we, as a, as a podcast, had just decided he was gone. Somebody was going to pay him $10 million a year to walk away, and all we could offer him was $4.5 million. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if the market cooled or if he just really wants to be with the Pacers and, and be a part of what we're doing. But he signed a two-year deal for $9.5 million, which is basically the, the, the max that we could give him. Um, and he is now your Pacer. Jalen Smith, I think you're, smarting, you're starting four going forward. I am so thrilled by this. I thought we had uncovered a gem that somebody else was going to reap. And we get to keep him for a new, uh, another two years. So um, this was the highlight. Well, okay. Moving Brogdon for not having to move a draft pick for Brogdon, along with Jalen Smith, has made this feel like a really good offseason for me. Yeah. Combined with the draft pick and, uh, and whatnot. Yeah. I don't know that he's going to start. I mean, I think there's still some roster shaping to be done. I, I think that... He and uh, Miles Turner, should he still be on the roster, do pretty redundant things. I don't know if they can both be on the floor at the same time. But well, who? What, what do you mean? He started last year, is all I'm saying. I mean, last year we had, like, insane – Miles Turner wasn't playing. Right. So he was starting at center. Like, So based on our current roster, would you start uh, Miles Turner and Isaiah Jackson as your front court? Or would you start a, a, a Jalen Smith and a, and a Miles Turner and have Isaiah Jackson coming off the bench? I would do the former. I don't know, Harper. What do you think? I mean, you might have to start O'Shea Brissett. I mean, it, it, it's good that you've yeah. got <laughs> it's good that you've got some competition at the position in some sense. It would be nice to just have a guy that you know is your starter because he's so darn good. Um, 
But I just I don't think that we have that. I think that it's an open spot going in. Uh, I think Jalen would be able to yeah. compete for it. No, you bring up a good point, Harper, because I, I like the idea of playing. Um, I want Halliburton and Matherin, Mat- Matherin, mm-hmm. he's French, uh, to get the most. <laughs> I want them to have the most time on the floor together of any duo of Pacers this season. And Duarte has got to be Because I think. There. You know, I, I know. Mean, and so I think your, you start Duarte core, right? at the three. Yeah. And, and then uh, Brissett at the four. That's what I would do. And play yeah. super fast. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, well, uh, what I would say is if you're going to go as young as you could possibly go, then you start um, Halliburton, Matherin, Duarte, Jalen Smith, and Isaiah. But I'm not not saying that I want to go as young as possible. I'm saying that I am really excited about the combination in the backcourt of Halliburton and Matherin. And so I want to get those guys just clicking. I think he, I think possible. I think Heald is going to be your starter next season. Mm. Hot take, hot take. Right, I forgot we had Heald. Yeah, but Heald is going to be your starter, and they have chemistry already. And like, you're going to bring Matherin off the bench at your backup two three. I I mean that's certainly something that we could do. I will say that Terry Taylor is also 22, and Obre- O'Shea Brissett's 23. So even if you do want to go youth, it's not like these guys aren't. Plenty young. No, I agree. We did just re-sign uh, O'Shea Brissett, which is great. I, I'm big on that. Uh, we also uh, gave a qualifier offer to Terry Taylor. Like, these guys are going to be around. I love these guys. They're all young. But um, I would bring Heald off the bench if it were me. I mean, you, you got a guy who's number six in the draft, and you believe in him. I mean, I just think you throw him and Duarte out there along with Halliburton and let these kids yep. learn. I mean, we're not winning a championship this year. It's, it's, it's not in the cards for us. You know, if we get halfway through the season and, you know, we feel like we're in a position where starting Buddy Heald gets us, you know, a better playoff position, God bless. Uh, <laughs> but until I believe that, I start Matherin. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd be okay with uh, if Heald starts for the first 20 games or something like that and we slowly switch to, you know, while Matherin gets up to speed. Yeah. But the more that I learn about this kid the more excited i am to he have him is on the floor a bulldog and right exactly uh, can we mention to the the fans uh that are listening right now that he has um told the media that he's uh ready to best lebron james yeah at basketball does <laughs> <laughs> i mean he knows lebron's like 38 right yeah, I mean, oh, it's easy to pick on a forty-year-old, sure. But he's like, yeah. he's like, yeah. Everybody says he's the greatest ever. I think I'm better than him. Is what basically what he said. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I love the confidence. <laughs> I was kind of my my initial reaction was don't poke the bear, but then I was like, ah, if the bear's rolling downhill. Okay. <laughs> Maybe don't, don't poke the bear. No, but I like the down. confidence too. Like I, it, I would expect no less from a top ten draft pick. I bet every every player that got picked in the top ten is thinking the same thing. Yeah, wasn't it Chet Holgram that said he was the best player in the NBA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So cool. I mean, he said, "I want to see how great he is. I don't think anybody is better than me. He's going to have to show me that he's better than me." And like that confidence yeah. is fine. To just say you're better than LeBron in his prime is. 
probably just delusional for almost anybody on the planet. For everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Including Jabari Smith, for sure, and Paolo Benchett, all those guys. Right, right. But, you know, anytime you're going into a one-on-one matchup, yeah, you got to believe you can win that matchup. Of course, that's your challenge. So the other I mean, thing is... That's what we loved about, uh, you know, Lance Stevenson, right? It was like, whatever, right. I got this. So to get back to the idea of whatever the lineup's going to be, obviously there's a long time between now and the beginning of the season, and there's also, I don't think the Pacers are done making moves. I mean, as you mentioned, Miles Turner is in trade talks all of the time, and I imagine that Buddy Heald is as well, right? Like, um, I'm sure there are teams that would like a, "Quote unquote sharpshooter like Buddy Heald. Well, he hit the most um, threes in the NBA last season. I mean, not quote unquote sure, sharpshooter. Yeah, but he threw up the most as well. <laughs> like, you know. Fair enough. Um, I mean, I think I think what uh, what I would say is that they. Uh, I thought Halliburton and Heald had a lot more chemistry than I expected, and I thought Buddy Heald played better for us than I thought he would last season. Um, and I'm not in a huge hurry to get rid of him. Um, I understand we're trying to develop young people, but like, I don't know if developing young people just means throwing them into the starting lineup. No, yeah, yeah, I, I see that point, and I think you have to have some sort of balance between veterans and youth on your roster. You know, I mean, somebody has to teach these kids how to play and how to be NBA players and manage their business outside the court and whatnot. Um, and so, having a guy like Heald around is useful in that aspect but i don't want him stealing too many minutes from my boy no Vinny, i know you know well, we've also seen uh you know situations where you completely tank and everybody the oldest guy on your team is 25 you know sure. in like a um you know the sixers or whatever and like nobody gets better they just don't you know um because right. it's not a positive environment to be in um i think adults on the floor and in the locker room are important i'm not saying that buddy hill is that but um I think also slowly putting people into rotations can be useful. I think as long as you're so managing part well. of our vision here though, was getting a bunch of coachable guys so that we could turn Rick Carlisle loose on their development. Right. Yep. And so okay. he is the adult in the room, right? He is going okay. to make sure that it's a positive environment. Um, you know, obviously leadership has to come, you know, from players on the team. I think we've got, uh, at, at least what looks like from the outside, you know, a good start in Halliburton. So, you know, obviously there's a place for leadership in the locker room. Um, but organizationally, I, th- I think Rick Carlisle understands that, how to milk it and how to develop it. So, you know, I'm not concerned about a bunch of 25-year-olds tanking this year, regardless of who's a starter out there. And Buddy Heald's, you know, career path doesn't exactly, you know, as great as he played last year, um, you know, doesn't inspire the most confidence of any player in the NBA. <laughs> Um, it's been a little up and down for him over the years. Sure, and I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think, um, I, you know, what I think a lot of fans, um, you know, at least on the internet, um, and I think even the buzz is that it's pretty easy to um, combine a Buddy Heald contract with a Miles Turner contract and get up to $40 million. And suddenly you're talking about a big swing at something, right? Um, and I think that's what put Heald and, and um, you know, Turner in all of these conversations, um, why they're tradable. Because we would love to have, you know, a big-time prospect coming back to us. But 
I think that's a little bit unrealistic. Oh, uh, you don't think, think we'll get Durant for Heald and Turner? I mean, Heald and Turner and every draft pick we ever have for the next 30 years. I mean, if they would take that, we would give it to them. I know. Because he's on a four-year uh, deal. But, he can't go anywhere. But if we could do that, we would have already done it. Uh, the entire the entire uh, free agency has been frozen by this idea that Durant is on the move, right? Like, there's a lot of things that have not happened because Durant and Irving are out there. And so, um, you know, I think hope of all hopes, the Pacers are one of the franchises that have a ton of disposable cap space right now. Um, in fact... Um, fun fact, after all of uh, the trades we've made, we're nearly $15 million uh, underneath the cap floor. Whoa, cool. And I think there's a clause that if they don't hit the floor, the undebeatables get the delta? Is that right? No. That sounds right to they me. Pay all we the, didn't get that no, in our contract? No, no, no. no. They pay all no. the players on the team, the leftover, not us. I knew I shouldn't have let Carlson negotiate that. <laughs> I thought they, when they said the players, they just I just right. Well, they, yeah, you thought they included us. Players, we are yes. players. Sorry. players I, with a Z. I did yeah. negotiate that. That was yeah, my exactly. fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there, I assume we're going to give that to Lance Stevenson. Um, <laughs> look, okay. There's guys at every level. As long as you bring uh, Lance Stevenson back, we've got guys at every spot, and uh, let them fight for their spots and see who's going to be good. Let's 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 we're going to be not a good team next year. It's not going to happen. No, but we're going to be fun. Oh, we're going to be fun as hell. I think. At least. I agree. I mean, okay. Might be pretty good too. Yeah, we're going to be hope I I envision us as one of those frisky teams that people hate to play and that surprises some of the good teams and maybe as if not um a playoff spoiler than like knock or sorry if not a play-in uh contender a playoff spoiler down the stretch so you got us at like what uh 37 wins right now i don't know i haven't done all the math yet but um i i think that there is potential for this team to be really intriguing Mm -hmm. i think the 25 wins from last year is like a a misleadingly low floor for this team. I agree. I think that we lost a bunch of games down the stretch because we didn't have dudes in the lineup slash on purpose. (laughs) So like, I mean, we lost our last 10 games and like, so I think the floor is more like low thirties. Right. And then, you know, if things break right, then we're, mid to high 30s yeah. i think probably the at first blush sort of 32 37 42 mid low high or low mid high somewhere now. something like yeah. that yeah okay yep. all right all right and and this is before we make the durant trade exactly yeah yeah i like that all right so let's let's take a break now and then we'll get into uh all this durant nonsense and other <laughs> nonsense. things going on around the nba it's it's yeah who knows what's going on but um yeah, let's take a break and we'll get back and, and get into it. Risk being seen in all of your glory. 
Now no matter the situation, no matter the shit I'm placed in, I still chase my star in the sky, there's no debating, intertwined with hello, meet me, I'm mellow, a fellow that respects the thoughts wrapped in your pillows, the dreams on your inner side, fire that's kindled eyes, just wanna nurture that, feeling when the speaker cries, lose yourself over it, close your eyes or mold to it, make a duplicate, share it with yourself, see the scope of it, and let the love flow, and share with unknowns, build it up, share it with me, the door to your soul, and I promise that I I won't judge, be little, or think that I know much if I don't know much. I just want to give myself and give it all. Live it up my best till my final curtain calls. We see our destiny. This is the flesh in me. Love is the master key. Under this mask, it's me. I want to create with you, even if it's just today. Because I want to relate with you and see just how you make your way. And now unmasking myself is a frightening thought And the love and solitude is a blessing and not And do you need to feel love to show it? Hmm, that doesn't seem right We're just looking for connections in life And it's ironic that you got to love yourself first I'm just a man when you break it down Full of faults with a strong will And I make mistakes tend to be cold But I'm working on it And if I see beauty, I'm perching on it I'm trying to see the world through my own eyes Deal with the people and live my own life tough to live openly when you've been where I've been. I just want to let go and have faith until then. Huh. I'll race with you, face to face with you. Hold hands and thought I'm made to fade with you. Right into the background, living here for me. And if you've got the time, you're invited to come All right. We're back from the break. It was a good one. Jill tied for the win in Balderdash. Shout out. Hey, uh, nice. My stat yeah. of the week. Joey's not here. Shout out Joey uh, and Catherine and Waylon. Hope you guys are doing well um, with the COVID situation there. HIPAA. We're thinking about you. <laughs> oh, whoops. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but Colson, you are uh, stepping in for uh, Joey and his steed with a uh, stat of the week, I heard. Joey, stat of the week. I am. I am. Um, I. Um, so I thought a lot about this. I felt like I needed to do something for Joey. And, um, you know, honestly, there were numbers that, that you know, struck me. Uh, the number of states that, uh, um, you know, uh, no longer allow abortions. There are over 300 um, mass shootings in this country this year. Um, there's a lot of numbers out there that are terrible. Um, but the number I wanted to give my pacer nation right now is Mach 10. Hmm. It is the number that Maverick in the new Top Gun exceeds because he has a need for speed. It's, I, 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 it's not, it's not a spoiler alert. Um, I think, uh, he does it in the opening moments of the movie. Um, somebody give him a ramjet. This made me feel better about America. And about movie mm. in general, um, I like it's movie. A, I like movie. Um, <laughs> it is a real stakes, real relationships. Movies like they don't make anymore. Shout out to Top Gun Maverick. Go see it in the theater. Mach ten is my stat of the week. All, All right, right. Mach ten. What is, that's ten times the speed of sound. Yeah. So approximately. 
I don't know, we're going to say 65,000 6, miles. Uh, 6,500 <laughs> miles an hour, I think. I think it's about yeah, 600 yeah. miles an hour at sea level. I'm assuming this had to be like a ramjet, though. So this is in the upper oh, atmosphere. Man. So the speed of sound is probably considerably lower at that altitude. So Go see the movie and find out. So it should have a big asterisk behind it. It should be like Mach 10 asterisk or whatever. Yeah, asterisk, go see the movie. That's that's my... Uh... Okay, gotcha. Seriously, um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the universe, and um, it's been a tough time uh, to watch the news of late. So um, stay safe, Pacer Nason, and uh, you know, just listen to more basketball because it's way more fun than the rest of the universe. That's right. All right. We spent a lot of time discussing the Pacers and uh, some of our roster moves in the offseason. Let's talk about the wider NBA here. Um, Colson is our expert on this. He has spent the most time deep diving, free agent signings, in preparation for uh, where that player at. I'm going to go ahead and plug that episode. That's going to happen. That's going to happen in a couple months. Four months or three months. It's like two or three months, yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you think Colson so far has been the the best offseason maneuver by other team by another team? Well, uh, so what I would say is that the most dramatic thing for this offseason is that um, Kevin Durant came out and said that he wanted to be traded. Okay, and that has dramatically changed this free agent signing. Uh, people are holding onto their assets. They are all ridiculously believing that they might have a chance at Kevin Durant, including your Indiana Pacers. <laughs> um, there are a lot of things that aren't happening because that exists and, and is a shadow over everything. However, a couple big things have happened, and I would like to mention at least uh, uh, one of them which is the Minnesota Timberwolves decided to mortgage their entire future, the next five years um, of draft picks on getting Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz. Mm. And I think the pairing of Gobert and uh, Towns up front as their, uh, uh, you know, as their front court, um, especially as Minnesota really struggled with defense last year and they had a nice little run in the playoffs. Um, their their main problem was defense. Um, Anthony Edwards is their young guard who's 21 and, and looks like the next best thing. Um, also really good in the movie Hustle. If you guys want to go see that movie, he's fantastic as the villain in that. Um, so shout out. Um, I... I think they have something going here, but I don't know how it works on paper. Um, And I'm concerned that they gave up not only a lot of rotation players, but five years of draft picks for Rudy Mm -hmm. Gobert. Uh, Basically, they're saying we're all in and we're going to be great and we're going to be contending for a title based on this trade. And I'm not sure that that's the case. You guys have thoughts? So, for the sake of clarity here, they actually gave up, in a sense, six draft picks. So, because there's a limit on what you can do, they traded away their first round, 23 and 25, a pick swap for 26, 
their first rounder in 27, and a first round protected in 29. So that's a lot, clearly. They also gave up Malik Beasley, Patty Beverly, and three guys you've never heard of, Balmaro, Kessler, and Vanderbilt. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot. Um, it seems like a pretty Twin Towers sort of experiment to me. Um, In a league that's going small? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the, 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 just the most recent championship team had, you know, had to have a little bit of size with Kyle Lo- uh, uh, Looney. Um, but like outside of that, like Draymond Green is like 6'5 and playing center. Like, I mean, is size going to win you a championship at this point? I mean, as a Pacer fan, two seven footers on the floor didn't work out great for us. Obviously, these two guys are better versions, <laughs> Ouch, are better versions of, of what we had. Um, but just in a, a purely from a purely strategic fit standpoint, um, I mean they're they're going to have to go out and play. One would think a sort of you know plotting style of basketball, right, to keep these guys from getting caught out in 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 full court. Uh, we know the Timberwolves can score, so I understand how they're trying to add defense. Just not a hundred percent convinced that they needed that defense at five. So. The thing that this is going to do for Minnesota is it's going to make them a solid regular season team. And I think that for a fan base that has been struggling to get to the playoffs for the last decade, basically, what they've made it twice now in the past decade plus or something like that, like maybe this puts them in a position to be more consistently solid and a playoff team 45 and then to they 50 can, win team yeah and then they can build around that in the next couple years or something like that or maybe uh anthony edwards turns into um you know an all-star slash all nba type level guy i think that's what they're banking on yeah right 100 percent. as far as the twin towers thing goes i think the geometry works weirdly slightly better than what the pacers double twin towers did right so carl anthony towns is like sort of the outside guy but not so good at defense an offensive prowess guy and rudy gobert is more of the shot blocker you know get offensive rebounds guy whereas for the pacers you know miles turner preferred to work away from the basket and so the geometry was like kind of switched i guess on each end of the floor and so maybe that works a little bit better. I do still think once you get to playoff time, like Gobert is going to get played off the floor. Yeah, they're just like that's just how it is in the NBA now. Yeah, well, exactly. Or so. they're just going to abuse Carl Anthony Towns, right? And you're going to be in the same position that you were trying to outscore other teams, right? As it's just you know, teams are going to play small ball, and I mean, every coach in the league has seen enough Steve Kerr footage now to know what small ball can look like. Uh, it's just it's an open secret that you know, you can play it effectively. And, you know, the teams that are, you're absolutely right, Jason, the teams that are in the playoffs are there for a reason. It's because they have the personnel to, you know, take advantage of defenses. And in this day and age, almost all of them can shoot. Yep. For sure. So so your theory is they gave up five or six uh, based, uh, you know, first round draft picks to become a more consistent regular season team and then just pray i mean far be it for me is to get into the minds of the general managers of the the minnesota timberwolves i don't know what their vision is but in my opinion that's what this gets them yeah. 
like obviously they wouldn't do that they wouldn't do this if they didn't think it put them on grounds to go deep into the playoffs if not compete for a title right like i think that's delusional of them i think they're better than they were yesterday but yeah i think it makes them better right exactly but five draft picks god that's a lot well, if the market rate before that was four first-round draft picks for DeJounte Murray, then you have to go over that right. to get a three-time who, Defensive Player of the Year, right? right. Like, who we haven't mentioned has gone to... Hotlanta. Hotlanta to be the uh, running mate with uh, Trey Young. What did you guys think of this move? Do you like, like this move? It. I like it, sure. I don't know big defensive guard who can also get his own shot next to Trey Young who can shoot from 40 feet like I yeah no I think it's a solid backcourt I don't don't think it makes sense to me really no I think that DeJounte Murray is super good with the ball in his hands and can create and can't shoot from the outside Trey Young needs the ball in his hands all the time no, I don't shoot think he from the needs the ball in his hand all the time. I think that's the point. I think he does. He's got to become a Steph Curry to to maximize his ability. Oh, well, that's very easy to do because <laughs> we've seen he a can, lot of Steph no, Curry. No, but I'm saying he can shoot from 40. So, like, make yourself better off the ball. And I think to, uh, Murray helps him do that is, is my only argument. I, mean, I, I will just split the difference here and just say you're both right. I mean, it, it's definitely a gamble in that sense because you're, you're, yeah. you're creating a backcourt situation that may or may not work. And you can see from previous years of this team that, you know, they were already struggling to keep John Collins and Trey on the same team. And now you're asking Trey to change a little bit as well. Um, and that may or may not go great. We'll see. Uh, if they can pull it off, I think it would be, you know, it could be a real coup. But I agree, you're right. They're going to need him to play a lot more off the ball in order to keep Murray effective. Uh, they additionally also picked up A.J. Griffin in the draft, I think at 14, which was a steal for them. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I they got better. Um, they, they did lose Kevin Herter for a future draft pick, which, you know, I, I don't think they wanted to do. Um, but it is what it is. I think that they're better. I just, I think it's risky and I worry about, you know, the ability of, you know, Nate McMillan to get everybody into the right spot <laughs> okay. and bought right. into the program. Uh, okay. Interesting. You don't think that Ma- Nate McMillan can toy with the <laughs> offensive pieces to get the maximal benefit out of them? I- hot take, hot take. Hmm. Also, John Collins is still on the uh, trade market. He's still on his way out the door, potentially, which is rough for them because John Collins is a very talented young player. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I don't understand that either. Like, I feel like he's a solid contributor for them. I I mean, in a sense, I feel like this is a bit of an overreaction to their uh, first-round playoff exit this year. Um, you know, you they were doing what NBA teams say they always want to do is get a young core and let them develop together, learn how to win in the playoffs, and then go on. And so they did. They had a great run. They had an over. They they overachieved two years ago and made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then they underachieved this past year. And then their response is to massively reshape their roster 
and it may be for the good. I mean, I have no idea, but I feel like Herter made good contributions. Collins is a solid player that's getting better. You know, he was hurt in their playoff run. Like, Trey Young is learning how to be a superstar. Uh, He's, like, what, in his third or fourth year in the league or something like that? Dude is still young and figuring out how to do it. Like, give him a couple more chances to take some lumps. I mean, my read is not a Hawks fan is that the reason that Collins is on the trade block is because Colin and Young don't get along well. And Collins doesn't like the ball dominant guardship of Trey Young, right? So it feels like they're trying to peg hole Young out of that, bringing a different point guard so they can keep everybody happy. But the problem is, you know, in my mind at least. The damage has been done. Well, I mean, even if you can keep Collins, right? I mean, moving a superstar, a guy who's doing great into a different role, is just, it's a risky proposition, especially if you can't keep John Collins and make him happy in that sense, right? I mean, if Trey Young is a special, special talent. And so just asking him to change his game uh, is, is a big lift for any guy. I mean, he's, sure, he's 23, but he's been playing, you know, 18 years the same way, probably, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Risky business. Yeah, um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it, the other thing is that you're the Atlanta Hawks. It's not like you're the no, Lakers you're or the the Celtics or even the Knicks, whose fan base is just going to go up in arms if you don't make massive moves to make deep runs in the playoffs. Like, their fan base has been elated watching this team over the last four or five years or whatever, right? Like keep building on that like just in in my opinion yeah, and right. i could be completely wrong in there it's 55 win ball team next year and and playing for the title but i don't necessarily see that as the case I, yeah that would so, be over we'll the that. vegas line 55 wins okay. well we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll find out when we do our uh preseason <laughs> predictions in like things will change four months yeah, man. Dude, there's still still things um Harper, did you have a favorite uh, move of the offseason? Can I ask you? Let me phrase it a different way. Is Anthony Simons worth $100 million over four years? (laughs) I like Anthony Simons. I do. I think he's good. Um, It seems like a lot of money. I will say... Seems like a lot of money. (laughs) I, I will say that, you know, they're a relatively small market team still. And, you know, they got to spend that money and they really can't draw free agents, you know, the way that, you know, obviously any of the California teams can or Miami or even Texas. Um, the Blazers also managed to resign Nurkic, um, which is good news for them. Uh, I just had a much more reasonable contract. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Anthony Simons at that price is a big question mark. But, you know, just like with their, you know, uh, sort of all-in draft pick on uh, Shaden Sharp, um, I think that this is a move that they, you know, felt like they had to make. Um, whether or not it's going to be enough to keep Dame is, is, is <laughs> jury is out on that. Sure, yeah. It's one of these really interesting situations, which is becoming more common in the NBA, which is – we're going to go ahead and pay this guy on the the probability that he's going to reach the value of this contract, right? As opposed to, you know, we're, we're sort of compensating for him overperforming in the previous contract or whatever, right? Which has been the, the story of the NBA for, 
for decades basically so it's kind of interesting i like him as a player i also that number came across my screen and i was like whoa, whoa what wow that is a lot of i mean money, but. in fairness the the floor this year is 120 or 112 million or something so yeah you gotta spend the money it, yeah, yeah you gotta spend it somewhere and you know they're not getting they're, they're not bringing in james harden i don't think so but so they're they're paying between lillard jeremy grant and anthony simons that's like 75 million dollars right there or something like that sure, sure. more probably yeah yeah that's crazy speaking Man, of numbers are just of <laughs> aspirational numbers um zion williams sure yeah uh played 85 games and got the uh max rookie extension 85 games over the course of yeah. three oh, seasons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean <laughs> one season. There's only 82 games in a season. Over the course of over his three career. Seasons. Career. <sighs> I mean, well, if, I, if if I'm Zion, I take that, of course. Um, and I think if you're New Orleans, you kind of have to give oh, it to him. What are you going to do? All of this seems insane. All I would be signing percent. the contract before they put the pen in my hand. I would be like pricking my finger. A hundred percent. I would go, I would wheel myself in, in a wheelchair to avoid injury. <laughs> it's just, he becomes bubble boy. Mm-hmm. He just walks around. Yep. Just slide contracts through the, through the bubble. It's like... One of the clauses of his contract is he has to move around in a hamster wheel for the rest of his life. Oh, man. Well, I know who you're excited about, Jason. Five years oh, and my boy $250 million. <laughs> My boy B-Bill, you got to do it. You got to lock down. If you can pay a guy <laughs> a quarter of a billion dollars for him to demand a trade out of your... No, I'm City, sorry. You gotta do it. No, okay. I no mean, I'm sorry. To be a top forty player and then demand hey, a trade. Top thirty seven. Okay, sorry. The the Wizards they did this. They did to themselves. They're so frustrating. They well, and they did. They made the same mistake with Otto Porter. You remember Otto Porter Jr., who, by the way, showed himself quite well in the finals. Yeah, Great, good and for him. But they were in this situation where they're like, him. we have to pay. I think him. He's in Toronto now. Just by the by. Oh right. They were like, we have to pay him $75 million, like, or else we're going to lose him. Like, I, I just don't understand the logic. Like, sign-in trades don't exist in your world. Um, who knows? It feels like What does Beal make a year now? Like, $48 million 50. a year? I mean, yeah, but, we're, right, over the course of it. Over I'm the sure life of the contract, yeah, yeah. it'll average out to 50. It's average. That, yeah. that makes yeah. him super easy to trade. I mean, for Durant. Well, they could trade back for <laughs> Russell Westbrook. You know, yeah, maybe that maybe that's what their move was. They wanted to get Durant in the <laughs> in the fifth year of his deal. He will make fifty seven million dollars. Oh my god! And literally, he's not a top twenty five player in the NBA. Not yet. Maybe that. Maybe they're thinking about this like Anthony Simons. Maybe sure, maybe. sure. Fulfill how, the how pet, old is he? potential of that contract. <laughs> he's uh, still relative. I mean, he's not like okay. Ancient. We we've we've talked a lot about this um, as as uh, during the ten years whatever that we've been doing this pod that that the um, in general the peak of a player is between twenty six and thirty two, 
But as players have gotten younger, you could move it down to about 24, 25. Uh, but after about 32, they get a little too old. So their peak could be eight years. That's amazing. Um, where He's got to be on the far end of that. He's got to be 29 or he's Yeah, 30, he's 29. Right? So these are the peak years. I mean, okay, mm-hmm. this is it for him. But he's got two years after those peak years, and he's going to be 57. I mean, he's also, he's not Allen Iverson. I mean, you know, the guy spends a lot of time with the ball in his hands, but he's also an excellent shooter. He spends time on the perimeter. He's not getting beat to hell. Like, he's going to play into his 30s and be fine. Yeah, he's going to have a long career of shooting. Okay. He's going to be fine. I mean, talk talk me into the Bradley Beal. I think it's they overpaid him him by $40 million, and I don't know who they're competing against. It seems like they could have signed him to an extension a couple years ago at a much more reasonable contract. Yeah, and who are they competing against? I agree with that. Who's going to pay him this? Nobody. Well, well, the Wizards are the only team that can pay him this. This is the Supermax. Right. Right, but, but they like, and so they're pay him forty million. Yeah, what, what I mean, I guess so it's an economic, it's a behavioral economics game. That they had to figure out the number because he could walk and sign a four-year deal for like what one ninety or two hundred yeah. or something like that, and so you got to go above that to some degree by twenty-five percent to keep him there. But I don't think you got to go to the full <laughs> full seventy-five percent. Like it. it seems insane. But, I mean, well, who are they going to spend that money on? Who wants to go play in D.C.? Nobody, apparently. And, yeah. and that's the gamble. Is they're just like he's the guy that we can, you know, put the butts in the seats. And if it puts butts in seats, ultimately it's worth it. The win and loss record, you know, in the short term means less than the gate. I mean, I will say that what puts butts in seats in Washington D.C. is when uh, the Lakers or the Nets or the Knicks or Celtics. When Could, other teams come to couldn't town. they couldn't they go for uh, Durant at this point? They could, sure. Man, yeah, and I'm sure that they, that they are talking them themselves into this delusional idea that they could because he's from the DMV. But yeah, I don't know that they have the assets. Well, okay. Other than being, you can't. Can, you can't to do it. Can you trade? You Beal? can't trade yeah, him. Right. Can't I don't trade think they can yet. trade him. They'd have anyway. to hold Durant no, for. They have to wait. Yeah. Four months or till something, the, right? Yeah, till the trade deadline, I yeah. think. Right. Well, okay. So here's here's another interesting thing. So so uh, Durant asked to go to Phoenix or Miami. Basically, pick the one seeds of both um, conferences. Interesting. Uh, shockingly, yeah, he wants to go be on a winner. Um, that would uh, be a huge issue for lots of teams because he makes a lot of money. Um, the teams that actually could trade for him are teams like Detroit um, and the Indiana Pacers. Um, couldn't, Arizona, now, couldn't Arizona side and trade Aiden? Yep. They could. It's it's doable. Brooklyn has said is we're going to wait for the very max possible deal we can get. And if they're now looking at five draft picks for Gobert... Like, what are we looking at? Seven first-round draft picks? Ten first-round draft picks? I, I don't know. The, the, of, of what are they going to say? We're going to trade him for less than the max? I mean, the problem is that there's just not perfect knowledge in the NBA. Like, all these GMs may think they know everything, but of course they don't. They don't know when the highest offer is going to come, right? They don't know the answer to that question. 
either in terms of valuation right now and certainly not in terms of valuation in the future, right? So, I mean, is there, it's Sean Marks' job to say, yeah, I know exactly what it's going to be, right? Uh, but he may not even know it in the in the final analysis when he sees it. And maybe the highest thing is not what someone wants to give for Durant, a guy who's in the middle of demanding a trade from a place that, you know, he said he wanted to go build a championship. You know, I mean, I... Right. And he, yeah. And he's also in his 16th year. Like, it's not like he's a spring chicken anymore. True. True. I'm going to say we called this when he... Signed with the Nets and hitched his star to Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. Irving's wagon. Yep. Uh, we can go we back and listen to the tape, but I'm pretty sure we all called this. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, to bra- let's wrap this up in a nice little bow and and go back to to Pacers land. So the 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 Nets, uh, in order to to solidify some some Kevin Durant insurance, went ahead and signed T.J. Warren. What? And T.J. Warren was Edmund Sumner. No, he's my solution. And Ed Sumner. They're just raiding the what? former Pacers roster. Those two yep. guys were the guys that were going to solidify my roster going forward. I noticed that you mentioned them mm. a bunch of times in the first half. I <laughs> did. I think I did. We I'm must have cut sure that out like... and added or something. Huh? <laughs> it's like Sumner and Warren are going to make this thing be a 50-win team. They're both, uh, they're both with uh, Brooklyn now, huh? Yep. How do you feel about that? XU? <laughs> All right, that's good. What was the TJ Warren deal? He's, he signed the middle. I, I actually got no I got no numbers on that. I, I looked into it. Oh, okay. I couldn't find a number. Two-year deal, prospectively, yeah, sure. or something. It's like, yeah. I, I actually okay. heard a one-year. Maybe it's a one-year. Yeah. It's a one and, and a, It might and be a one-and-one. One it's a one-and-one, one, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But here's the deal, because they don't know, because he's injured, right? So, like, they don't know what he's going to be. You can't I'm sure take it's a, a team risk. option for the second. Oh yeah, yeah. team option. On the other <laughs> but, You'd hope. But uh, here's the deal: uh, T.J. Warren is the perfect fit on our roster right now. Um, I'm sorry, he's gone. As long as he's healthy. Because we need a guy who doesn't want to play basketball. No, I want a guy that is really good at basketball, plays defense, and can hit shots, and is tall. I- I'll take your word for it. That was so long ago. I can't even remember if he was good or not. <laughs> Yeah, right. He used to score 31 uh, points a game sure. in the bubble. Sure. He's not played NBA basketball for two nearly years. two years. So who knows right. if that's true. Um, he's going to go be great as the Durant replacement um, for Brooklyn, and we're going to have Durant and win a title. It'll be awesome. I think it's going to be fantastic when Durant and Harden – Get traded for each other. Harden's going to sign and trade with the 76ers. They're not going to trade him up to Brooklyn. (laughs) All right. Any uh, last thoughts on free agent moves or anything, many major things we missed that we need to discuss? Harper's. Uh, Bulls re signed Zach Levine to a uh, parsimonious five year, $215 million contract. Shout out, Chairman. Got him cheap. Shout out, Chairman. Got him cheap. Better than Beal. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I would say he's way more clutch than Beal, too. Mmm. Shots he's fired. More moments. I mean. I don't know. I feel like Beal's had a lot of moments to miss. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You take that several ways. I like it. 
<laughs> yeah. They they aren't that far apart in the rankings. No, the they're both two A sort of players, right? Yeah. Exactly. So I, I let me just say uh before we, we close out, uh this may be this is kind of our off season now, uh as a as a as a podcast. Is there you know, if another major trade happens or another major signing happens, we'll get back on. But like, as the, the team as it stands, you know, we kind of went through the lineup and what it would look like. How do we feel? I mean, do do you feel like you're you're fighting for a playoff spot, or do you feel like you're going for the um, you know the number one pick next year? It's a development year for sure. Um, I mean, I think what we said earlier in the first half was, you know, 37 or sorry, 32, 37, 42 as the as the spread. That feels about right to me. We'll see what Vegas has to say about it. But, I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be at all disappointed if this team doesn't win, you know, 42 games next year and get above 500. That's not the most important thing that needs to happen. The most important thing that needs to happen is rebuilding a locker room that works, a culture of winning, and the talent on the floor. Yeah, I'd like to see us get on that Memphis Grizzlies yep. uh, trajectory. Absolutely. Well put. As quickly as well possible, put. right? Like, do we need to bring in some veterans to make that happen? Like, even if they don't play, no. Like, do we need the Al Jeffersons? Do we need? I mean, do I'm just worried about being, you know. Um, the Sacramento Kings with no leadership for so many years or, or, you know, the, the 76ers for no leadership for so many I mean, years. I think that if we retain, um, miles Turner and, um, TJ McConnell, TJ McConnell as like veteran presences in the locker room, like I'm fine with and that. Rick Carlisle. Okay. Um, if he, if healed is around and I also have a lot of faith in Rick Carlisle and the, and, Beyond that, his coaching yes, staff, absolutely, like Lloyd Pierce, and um, I'm blanking on everybody else's name, but um, all those people I have confidence in, in player as far as player development. I feel like they have a plan. I feel like they are going to have a plan, and like have a developmental milestones yeah. that they want each and every player to reach as the season goes along, as the summer goes along, and uh, yeah, I mean, I f- I feel like it's not going to be a <laughs> a chaotic situation. It's not going to be a Nate Bjorkman situation. So, so you're saying that the staff did not draft Neem Hard because they thought it was a funny dick joke like Harper did? <laughs> uh, I'm not ruling that out. <laughs> I think that they did it for the Canadianness. And yeah. so I forgot to mention with the with the trade with Boston, we now have four Canadians on our team. So close to twenty five percent of our roster. Yeah is Canadian now. And that's just awesome. You know, like the, the amount of, um, excellent pancake breakfasts with like super good maple syrup. They're going to happen in the Pacers locker room. Like there's no way that morale doesn't improve Absolutely. in a situation like and, that. And keep talking, cause I'll kicking the names, eh? <laughs> I say there's too much poutine and too much poutine. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm be sluggish at halftime. <laughs> You'll be sluggish at halftime. <laughs> you know, you know what? I do love the moose head. Yeah, both the beer exactly. and, and the you, green yeah, bottle I was beer. Say, <laughs> <laughs> thought Neymar was a bad joke. 
All right, all right. Uh, Colson, we got um, upcame, upcoming Pacers action, right? Oh, my God, this is so exciting. I'm, I'm Okay, it is summer league time, and your uh, Indiana Pacers are going to be playing on national television. Whoa. So we need to check this out. July 8th, uh, we're playing the Hornets at 6 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. July 10th versus the Kings at 3 p.m. on ESPN. Um, wow. NBA TV on July 12th against the Pistons at 9. And uh, ESPN... <laughs> sorry. The, on the Ocho? <laughs> it says ESPN 23 right here. I don't think that's right. <laughs> but it made me laugh. Uh, that might be right. Might be right. July I don't know. Yeah. We're playing the Wizards. So yeah. uh, good luck on that, Jason. At nine ESPN twenty three is just Bradley Beal's mom's cell phone stream. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to like her Twitter or something. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention the guys that are going to be on a summer league, and this is actually really worth watching. Um, Isaiah Jackson, uh, potentially our, our starting small for or power forward. Um, Benedict Matherin, our, our number one draft pick. Chris Duarte, uh, Dwayne Washington Jr., Terry Taylor, uh, the Birdhouse. And, um, you know, also uh, Kendall Brown, who we drafted, and Andrew uh, Nimhard, who we also uh, make fun of his name. So these are a lot of guys that you're going to be seeing uh, for your Pacers playing. Uh, might as well get a little early. Summer League action on them on ESPN 23. <laughs> Tune into the Ocho. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, working through this Brogdon trade um, with me. I feel like uh, I feel like we're in a good direction here. I feel, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders uh, with having Brogdon not on the roster anymore. Uh, and thank you fans for listening. Uh, as Colson mentioned, we're going into the, uh, the off season here. So we will, we will do some podcasts, but they will be quite intermittent, but we might drop some under Googleables. If you're not subscribed to the under Googleables, uh, subscribe to that feed. Happens and every Saturday voices, morning. Uh, once a week, at least, uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. We are at undebeatables. We have a Facebook page, uh, slash the undebeatables, uh, there's a contact form on our website. You can also, which is theundebeatables.com, sorry. You can also email us, uh, shout out at theundebeatables.com. If you go back to our website, there's a t-shirt, the OG version of the t-shirt that you can buy. You're running out of time um, on the OG. But you're running out of time because we're going to print new ones for the 22-23 uh, Pacer season. A new era, the, the Halliburton Mathern I'm starting era. to think that we just need to sign and frame the OG one. I think that's ours now. <laughs> the I last one be. that we're waiting for. Yeah. Exactly. The one that's been sitting on the bottom of 100%. We will sign it, we'll frame it, and we'll save it for, you know, Way Winner Ethan. Okay. One. It's definitely that a That is shmedium. a great idea. It's definitely a medium. That is a great idea. <laughs> okay. Done so actually, okay, you know no what? more t shirts yeah, available exactly. at the website. Wait, wait for two months before you wait get another more month t-shirts. or so. And we will yeah. have more t-shirts. <laughs> but if you become a Patreon, 
We will get you a we'll, t-shirt. We'll allow the pre-orders. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We accept dollars <laughs> and Bitcoin. <laughs> For the architect, Donnie Walsh, and our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Sucliner. Turn out the light. The party. It was a nice walk yeah. down. I the, like that. The, the, the long goodbye for TJ Warren. Mm-hmm. Super pacer TJ Warren. Sayonara, my friend. You know what? I really liked him for uh, the cash we gave him. Or the cash yeah. we gave Phoenix for him, I mean. Exactly, yeah. Best best uh, cash considerations trade. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's a little disappointing. It bought us no loyalty because we were willing to take a chance on him. But hey, you know. That's capitalism, baby. I, that's right. We still have no idea how much he got paid by the um, um, Brooklyn, but I assume that it's way less than we could have paid him. So I'm I'm going to trust my my franchise here and say, yeah, they know something that Brooklyn doesn't. Either know. that, or we offered him zero dollars and zero cents. <laughs> You're like, hey, you know what? I've got some lint in my pocket. <laughs> we got a bag of chips from Boston. Yeah, exactly. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a dessert to be determined. 